0: Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Would you go with me to Luke chapter 22, in verse 31, and uh, regardless of what translation Bible you have, it doesn't matter because I'm going to read it in four different ones, and so we'll get to you, I'm sure, or you can just look at it up here. I don't know what version, we. hopefully all of them. I don't know. Oh yeah, I think Zach's got us covered for that, yeah. Luke 22 and 31, we're just going to read it in the King James to start, and then we'll pray. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, who, by the way, is the same guy as Peter, okay? Simon, Peter. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith Fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for today. I need your help completely. Help me to yield myself to you. My mind and my thoughts, my words, even my body, help me to yield myself to you, that you would be able to speak to your people Help me to say that which you are saying, Father, that eyes and ears would be opened, Father, that we would know you better when we leave here than we did when we came in, Father, that we would be corrected, that we would be challenged, encouraged, and equipped, Father, to carry out your plan. Help us to recognize you at work and help us to embrace you to submit and to obey, Father, and to live in a way that glorifies you. We thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a popular portion of Scripture, and uh, I, I don't want to get into the whole context of the story for sake of time, but I want to encourage you to do that. And I hope you'll do that every week. I hope that always you will take the sermon note sheets and And I hope you'll go back, at least read the chapter, at least read the whole chapter that it's in, and pray and seek God. Uh, Sometimes we don't have time here to get into a whole lot of what was happening, you know, historically or in the setting or what led us to the point. Sometimes we just need to grab a piece. We've only got a little while with you on Sundays. And so it is not my job to feed you. It's my job to lead you. And so I've got to give you what I can right now, but it is up to you. To go home and read the word, read the word for yourself and pray, and to have that fellowship with God. There is no human being that can have your relationship with God for you. No no preacher, no praying grandma, nobody. This is not about who can get the most done for you because they are in with God. This is about you having a relationship with God. So anyway... Uh, that being said, this is a very popular portion of Scripture. Many people know this passage where Jesus tells Peter, Jeremy, is that your phone? Oh, well, I can't pick on you then. <laughs> I was, You see certain people I can make fun of real hard, but then certain people I don't know if I can or not. So I'll get to know you then I'll make fun of you. So, this is where the Lord tells Peter. He says, Peter, Satan has desired you. Satan wants to take you out. Satan wants to sift you. Like wheat, think about sifting something. Think about how you sift flour at your house. You dump flour in a sifter and it's got the peas, and you just turn it into powder and it goes everywhere. He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now, it's interesting. He didn't say, I've prayed that your money won't fail. He didn't say, I'll pray that everything in your life stays together. He didn't say, I I prayed that you wouldn't have problems. He didn't even pray for the problem to stop. He didn't even pray for Satan to stop. He said, but I'll pray for your faith. I'll pray that your faith will not fail. Look at the uh, Christian Standard Version, the CSB. Simon, Simon, look out. The King James said, behold. In the Christian standard, it says, look out. Be on the lookout. Be watching. Elsewhere in the scripture, it would say, be sober, be alert. Uh, I think 1 Peter 3, maybe. Be sober, be alert, because your adversary, the devil is roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is looking to devour, to sift people as wheat. He says, so look out, be on the lookout, be cautious, be alert, be paying attention. Know that this happens. Know that this works this way. Simon, Simon, look out. And he says this. Satan has asked, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Anybody ever read the book of Job? Do you remember when it says that the sons of God went before God and Satan came in among them? Boy, we could really veer off the path here and talk about a whole lot of things. But Satan goes and presents his case, and then you know what unfolds with Job. So here Jesus says, Satan has asked, I, will, I am requesting to sift him like wheat. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. He says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I think this reads a lot easier than the King James in this particular passage he says when you've turned back so he says satan is asking to sift you satan is asking to destroy you. he said but i've prayed for you i've prayed for you that your faith won't fail he said so when you turn when you turn the page when you turn the corner when you receive this strength in your faith also strengthen your brothers also strengthen them let's look at the english standard which I love, the English Standard, most all the time for everything. By the way, the English Standard is a word-for-word translation, just like the King James is. And so I know there are some people that, that feel like they don't want to veer far from the King James. The reason we love the King James so much is because it's a word-for-word translation. It's the most popular word-for-word translation, but it's not the only word-for-word translation. The English standard is a wonderful, it's still word-for-word. And it says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded, demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. We're going to look at one more. We're going to look at the amplified. Simon, Simon Peter, listen. Satan has demanded permission to sift. Now look at this in the brackets. All of you like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and your confidence in me may not fail. And you, once you have turned back again to to me, or maybe better to say toward me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. I think we learn even more here, and it's interesting because previously reading this, we get the the idea that Satan just had a, a, a plan for Peter at this moment. Now we see that really Satan wanted to sift all of them, but we find the reason that Peter is singled out by the Lord. The Lord is going to rescue all of them, but the Lord always chooses a human agent, Always. God always selects a man, a human. God always selects a person. Almost everything that God ever does, He does through someone. There's not much that God does without doing it through someone. In the beginning, God created, He did that all by Himself. But He's been using people ever since. So when Satan wanted to sift all of them, God picked someone. Come on, somebody. You ought to be hearing the Holy Spirit preach down to your soul already about all kinds of stuff. God picked someone. Jesus said, I'm praying for y'all. He said, but Peter, I'm especially praying for you because i got to pick somebody for my help to come through for everybody. As a side note, how many of you see here the value of reading a passage in several different translations? You can gain a lot from that. And so don't be scared, but be prayerful. Be prayerful when you study. Look things up. Look words up and pray and trust the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. So I thought this was beautiful looking at it this way. So... What we want to look at, the enemy, and we could go all kinds of places in Scripture to show this, but this is a good one. The enemy at different seasons in your life is after you. You have a real enemy of your soul. And the devil wants to have you and to take you out. But the flip side that we must realize God wants you. God wants you. And I hope you will know that any time that the enemy has a plan to take you out, God already has a plan in place to keep you in. God always has a plan. God is never caught off guard. God always wants you, and God always has a plan. Before you ever responded to God in faith, God already, wait, but God wants you so much. He said, I don't want to, but God wants you. Before you ever responded to God in faith, God already wanted you. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Nobody sought God before God sought them. You didn't go looking for God and get his attention until finally he turned toward you. No one comes to to, to Jesus but that they're drawn of the Father. God always makes the first move. There is nobody here that got saved because they went looking for God. Anybody that looked for God, it is because God moved on you. No human being asks spiritual questions without the Holy Spirit stirring on them to be curious and hungry about spiritual things. God makes the first move. If you have any interest in God, it's because God grabbed your attention and said, look over here. If you are saved, it's because God moved on your heart. And thank God you responded to him. Many, many, many do not. Many do not. So, the enemy wants you, but God wants you. You may be here today and perhaps you don't belong to God. Maybe you have never turned and come to Him. It doesn't change the fact He wants you, God wants you. You have value. There's nothing that God has created that does not have value. And even if you don't belong to him, he made you. So you might not be his child yet, but you are his creation. And if he made you, he made you with a purpose. God doesn't make anything just because. God has a purpose for everything that he made. God made you for something he wants to do. God made you for something he wants to accomplish. God made you to bear his image in a unique way. How many of you know that there is not one human being that by themselves could bear the entirety of the image of God? but God manifests himself through billions of people, different things and characteristics. God likes a variety. And so God creates diverse humanity and a diverse earth, uh, an amazing multifaceted creation and universe to display himself. God made you with a unique purpose. You have tremendous value to God. You have a reason for being on the earth. You have a reason for living. And God wants you. God wants you. Peter, that we find in this story, that same guy, Peter, later writes, 2 Peter 3 and 9, And I hope you'll read it later in context. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you. Now here's why. Listen very closely and don't miss it. Not wishing that any should perish. The King James would say he's not willing that any should perish. It is not part of God's plan or God's will or God's desire for any human being to perish. Most famous Bible verse of all, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his uh, only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He is not wishing that any should perish. The rest of verse says, here is what he wishes. Here is what he desires. Here is his will. And what is it? But that all, who? That all should come to repentance. God loves everybody. You think of the worst possible human being you can think of. You think of the nastiest, meanest, cruelest, wickedest person of all history. And God loved that individual, and He did not want them to perish. He wanted them to turn. He wanted them to repent. He wanted them. He wanted them. If he wanted them, he wants you. God wants you. Isn't it amazing? The thought. We've pulled some crazy stuff in our lives, some of us crazier than others. Some of us, even in this very room, there are things that you have done or said or thought that you would not want anybody else in this room to know. The depth of the depravity. Isn't it amazing that with all of our failure, with all of our rejection of God throughout times in our life, all of our working against God, that still, this all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all-present creator, he wants us. God Wants you. I'm just praying so much that the Holy Spirit will move on that very simple phrase. And really, I can trust that He is because I think He's the one that gave it to me. God wants you. John 12, 27. Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. This is getting up to his passion. This is getting up to the end of his life when he's going to be crucified very soon. Which doesn't seem like a good thing, does it? But it was a necessary thing. The worst thing was also the best thing which is something we have to learn as Christians, because we always try to pray the pain away. We always try to pray the problem away. We always try to pray the trouble away, the persecution away. We try to pray inconveniences away, anything that, that hinders us in any way or messes up our little plan or what we wanted to do with this day. We try to pray the problem away instead of praying for grace to go through the problem, which may be necessary, Jesus said, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from the hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The greatest prayer that we can pray in our trouble is not, God, would you get rid of this trouble? The greatest thing that we can pray is, Father, glorify your name. Now, I'm not telling you that he doesn't rescue from trouble. I'm not telling you that there are not certain things that God does deliver from the thing, and not everything bad that did God send it. Not everything. I'm not saying that. But there are some things that we go through that the best-case scenario is not that we would simply get out of it, but rather what we would get out of it. Instead of praying, God, get me out of this, maybe we should pray, God, what can I get out of this? So quit praying that you get out of it and start praying for what you can get out of it. He said, Father, glorify your name. And check this out. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said, that must have been thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus, isn't it funny what different people do with God, with the voice of God? God will move in a very distinct way. And some people say, whoa, it was God. God. And other people don't want to recognize it. They say, well, it could have been anything. It's funny how different people respond to God's moving. But Jesus answered and said, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth... I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of a death he was going to die. And he was talking about he would be raised up. When he said lifted up from the earth, he meant lifted up on the cross. Raised up. Jesus said, when I'm hung on the cross, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw about 10 people that I really like. I'm going to draw the people that have basically tried to live right. I'm going to draw most people, but there's a few real nasty ones, and I'm going to leave them out. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I'm going to draw... All people to myself. God wants you. The scripture says, maybe in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not happy but something about it brought jesus joy that's quite a thought what could have possibly brought him joy a an emotion deeper than feeling an emotion deeper than happiness way deeper than happiness an emotion that a a, a conviction, something inside that is so strong that it will cause people to go through the worst pain in order to get what is brought about by this awful thing. Have you ever done anything hard because of what it would do for your kids? Have you ever done anything that the thing was not something you wanted to do? Not particularly how you wanted to spend your time. Not something that was comfy. Not something that brought you a lot of comfort. It actually was a sacrifice. Have you ever sacrificed for your family? Have you ever given up time that... In the natural, on the surface, for the sake of your body and your back, for the sake of happiness and what you do enjoy versus what you don't enjoy, have you ever done anything hard? Because it was worth it. And while it didn't make you happy at the moment, on the inside, you said, I know who I'm doing it for, I know what this is gonna do for my home. I know what that from my household. I know what this is going to do, maybe for my great grandchildren, who maybe I won't even meet, but I'm putting the stuff in now. For the joy that is set before me, I'll endure the task. Are you with me? For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. What was the joy about the cross? It was you. It was you. You were the joy that could cause him to say, Father, if there's another way, Let this pass, nevertheless, Tiffany, nevertheless, Stacy, nevertheless, Don, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And aren't you glad? And he went through with the cross. God wants you pretty bad. God wants you. He wants you, and he wants to make a difference in you. I am so excited about Jesus. I I don't need to know what you found. I'm just talking about Jesus. I am so excited about Jesus. Jesus. I surrendered my life to Jesus when I was six, and I'm still excited. Now, at six, I didn't have a lot of tremendous problems. Some people at six do. I didn't. It's six, I thought Jesus was pretty great. But I didn't really know he was. Do you know I've believed things for years? That I'm just now knowing? Do you hear me? There's a difference between believing... And knowing. It's the difference between eight-year-old Michael Jackson singing When I Had You. Come on. And then somebody 50 that lost somebody singing. Do you hear me? There are things that a child can recognize that that's correct in belief, but they don't know it. Things that I tried to preach with conviction when I was twenty, and now I look back and say, I didn't know that. I'm glad I believed it, but now I'm looking back at some stuff and saying whoa, that's really true. That which I used to talk about and say God would do, now I've been in some situations with my back against the wall in ways that, I've been in places by myself and nobody could get to me. But I called out on that name, that I had believed in, and then I found out. I don't need to go through my car wreck stories, pulling the trailer and losing control, and how I called out on Jesus. I don't need to go through the deer exploding onto my windshield and my car rolls, and then a big hand grabs my car in the middle of the median and pushed it back down and then picked my car up and set it on the shoulder. I can look back over my life and I can testify now that God is who he said that he is and that he's bigger than what's the matter. I could tell you about heartbreak. I can tell you myself about not wanting to live. I could tell you about trying to figure out the best way to kill myself. Where my kids wouldn't have to see, and my wife wouldn't have to deal, and... I can tell you about those things, but then I can tell you I'm still here and my heart is full of joy and my mind is full of peace and nobody got me through but Jesus and nobody could, but Jesus did. I can tell you about having more month than money. I can tell you about not being able to make ends meet, and I couldn't even find the ends. I can tell you about juggling, which one do we pay? Which one has the longest grace period? We're past all of them, but maybe I can pick this one because we, come on, am I talking to anybody? I can tell you about that. And now I'll tell you something I used to preach and believe, but now I know I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Now I can tell you that he's my Jehovah Jireh. Now I can tell you he's my Jehovah Shama. Now I can tell you. You know these names, but later you start to know him by these names. I can tell you that he's a doctor. I can tell you he's a lawyer. I can tell you he's a great warrior. I can tell you he's a protector, because he's been there. And I, I, I've got to tell you that the things that used to throw me into a panic attack now don't even get my attention. Things that used to rattle me that I thought, it's over, it's all over, we're losing everything. It's all over. And now somebody says, hey, did you know that so-and-so said... Thus and so forth. And I say, oh, that old thing, I forgot about her. God bless her heart. She needs to find a hobby. Come on, somebody. The thing that used to when I would hear it and it would shake me and I would be gripped with anxiety and fear and think, how are we going to come through this? And now I know that's not even a big deal. Because Jesus has been there every time and he has shown himself faithful and God is good and he's good all the time and he's good to me and he loves me and he likes me and he wants me and he's never leaving me and he's never forsaking me. And I know he's a God of the impossible. He's a God of the I've watched God do the impossible in my life. And I've noticed something. Now, when even a bigger giant comes, now when a new problem comes, I've been through enough that were already different and were already bigger at the time, that I say, wait a minute, I'm seeing a pattern here. Even though this one is bigger, that one used to be bigger. That one was bigger than the last one. That that attack was unique to the last one. I'm seeing a pattern here that no matter how big the enemy gets, God is still yet bigger. No matter how confusing, no matter the chaos, the peace of God is greater still, and it still passes all understanding. So I can rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. I can be anxious for nothing because the Lord is at hand. I can let my request be made known unto the Lord. I can think on these things, and the God of peace will protect my heart heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. Now I know that. And God wants to do that for you. God wants you, and he wants to make a difference in your living. He wants to make a difference in your perspective and your perception. He wants to make a difference in how you think. He wants to make a difference in how you react. He wants to make a difference in how you approach things. He wants you and he wants to make a difference. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Hallelujah. God wants to change you and he wants to do it from the inside out. We tend to try to change from the outside in. And the world tries to offer change from the outside in. They start with the evidence. They start with the symptom and try to work back. But Jesus lays the ax to the root. The world tries to fix you. But Jesus said, how about we just get rid of you? Instead of modifying you, instead of repairing you, instead of improving you, how about we just trade you out for a newer model? Come on. Jesus says, why don't we just go in here and wipe out the person and replace you With a brand new you, behold, old things are passed away and all things are new in Christ Jesus. God wants to change you from the inside out, and only God can do that. Only God can actually change you, who you are, and what you really are. Tell your neighbor, it's an inside job. Come on. It's an inside job. He, he works on the heart. He works at the core of who you are. And then, and that happens in a moment, and then it begins to affect the outside. You don't get cleaned up to come to him. You run to him, and he begins to change you. He begins to transform you by the renewing of your mind, little by little, bit by bit, change by change, building block on building block, here a little, there a little, glory to glory, faith to faith. But he wants you right now. He wants you right now. And he moves in and begins to change. And all of this, all of this, Works according to what you believe. Or rather, according to who. Who you believe. Some folks say, what's it matter? What we believe about this or about that. What does it matter? It matters completely. It matters completely. What you believe, your beliefs, your belief system, What you believe has everything to do with the direction of your life. What you believe is steering your life. What you believe determines where you will go tomorrow and the next day. What you believe determines how you react in conversation. What you believe determines what you do on the job. What you believe determines how you uh, operate in relationships and raise your children. What you believe determines how you handle your money. What you believe determines everything about the direction of your life. So what you believe is very, very important because Many of us have believed things that ended up wrong. Have you ever believed something that was wrong? Have you ever believed your life was a certain way and then something happened and you found out that this that you had been living wasn't even true? Come on, somebody. Am I talking to anybody? Has anyone ever had their reality shattered? You're just going along. You think things are a certain way. Then something happens and you find out, and then you feel like a fool. You feel guilty and you didn't even do anything wrong. But you feel guilty for being tricked. We're preaching now, come on. and the rug is pulled out from under you, you say, why didn't I see it? Or you say, I think part of me did see it. Why did I choose not to believe what was right there? Why didn't I pay attention? Why didn't I I pick up on these things? Somewhere in the back of my mind, I saw it. I saw this, and I saw that but I just didn't want to believe it. What you believe matters. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being tricked. I'm tired of being deceived. I'm tired of navigating my life off of other folks' lies. What you believe has everything to do with the direction of your life. Now, let's get more specific. What you believe about God has everything to do with the direction of your life. What you believe about how God feels about you, your belief about how God views you, has everything to do with the direction of your life. People who do do not believe they are valuable don't connect with people who value them. When you don't believe you're valued, you settle for people that only value you as much as you think you're valuable. Do you hear me? When I believe that I am valuable, I naturally tend toward demanding being valued. I won't hang out with people that make me feel like less than i am i gravitate toward people that recognize me i'm not talking about being cocky and arrogant i'm ta- i'm not talking about being puffed up with pride i'm talking about knowing who you are and how you should be treated In staying away from garbage and gravitating toward God's best that he wants. Hope this is helping somebody. The people that don't want what I'm serving right now think I'm meddling. But the people that do recognize this and want it realize that you're being set free right now. What you believe about God and what you believe about how God feels about you has everything to do with where you are going. And you must know today that God wants you. God wants you. If there was a special team with a prestigious leader, and they were trying to accomplish something great in your city, or let's say in your country, and if your phone rang, and it was this prestigious, well-known, credible leader, which you really have no way of getting to them, they're not putting their cell phone number out. And you've got no way to access that person. And you answer the phone, and it's them. And, they, and you think they got the wrong number. And they say, no, I'm looking for Lala. You're exactly who I want to talk to. And you say, what do you need? And they say, we have a special job to do. And we've been watching you, and you meet the criteria. you got the stuff. You can get it done. And then you, you say, wait a minute, that's a big job. What about this, this, and this? And they say, no, 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 I supply that part, but, you, but you're the right fit. you got the goods. I'll supply the stuff. I'll supply the tools. I'll supply the equipment. But I've got to have the person that can pull it off and I pick you, man, that would feel amazing, wouldn't it? Well, guess what? God is calling. He's saying, hello, this is God, creator of the whole universe. And you're saying, I think you got the wrong number, bro. And he says, no, no, I'm looking for you. Because we've got this team here, and we've got something that needs done in the earth, and we've been watching you. And you've got great value. You have exactly what I put in you. You have exactly what I'm looking for. And you say, but what about this, and what about that? And he says, no, 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 no. I supply that stuff. I supply the equipment. I supply the power. But I gotta have the person that fits in the. Uh, I gotta have the person that fits in the outfit. I gotta have the person that fits in this that I've created. And it's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. How would it feel? Well, congratulations. Feel it, because God wants you. God wants you. What you believe about him will determine what can come out of you. Jesus said in John 7, Whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There's a reservoir, an untapped reservoir by and large, the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to pour through you. And it is given and it is released by you choosing to believe it. What you, what you believe determines this. And listen, when you believe right, you do right. You may even say, man, I can never get it right. That's because you don't believe right. If you believed right, you'd be getting it right. If there's a problem in your doing, there is a problem in your believing. Whew. Well, that's good. If there is a problem in your doing, there is a problem in your believing. If your doing is not right, your believing is not right. Because when you get your believing right, your doing follows. Every time. You see, in this kingdom, everything operates by faith. Somebody shout faith. And grace, everything in this kingdom works by faith and grace. Grace is the supply house. Faith is the delivery truck. Grace has all the stuff. Faith moves it, takes it where it's supposed to go. Here's your fill in the blank. Faith receives what grace provides. So grace is a reservoir. Faith is a faucet. Or maybe we could say that grace is a reservoir and faith is a dam that can open. Grace provides it. Faith grabs it. Grace makes it available. Faith opens it. Grace fills the tank. Faith pushes the pedal. Grace is the objective side of the gospel. It's sure. It's promised. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's finished. It's settled. It's paid for. Grace. The subjective side of the gospel is faith. It is what you are going to do with what definitely is. The grace side is sure. The faith side is up to you. The the grace side is objective. The faith side is subjective. What will you do with what God has done? Jesus paid it all so the finished work of Christ is here everything Jesus paid for faith accesses it and that's up to you God already wants you he already wants you but if you refuse to believe that you will continue in the same wrong direction your whole life and in your parish God has already paid for you, and God has already paid for all of your sin, for all of your guilt, for all of your shame, for all of your failure. It's already paid for, but if you will not acknowledge it, you're going to continue to live in it. It's already paid for. But if you won't acknowledge it, if you won't believe it, nothing will change. Nothing will change. Matthew 22 and 14. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's important to know what's going on here. Jesus is giving a parable about a wedding feast. He's throwing this wedding feast for his son. And they invite all of the who's who. And the who's who don't show up because they got things to do. They're more occupied with their position. So he says, fine. Fine. Go and invite everybody and call them into my house, into this kingdom for this wedding feast. One guy that comes in, he says, why is this guy not wearing the proper garment? Why is he not wearing the marriage garment for this wedding feast? He said, throw him out. Throw him out. Throw him into outer darkness. The wedding feast is the salvation that Jesus paid for. The invitation to the who's who is the invitation to the children of Israel. God's people, who Jesus came for. But they reject him because they're more involved in their position, religiously and politically. No, we're not coming. So he says, invite everybody. This is when God sent Paul to the Gentiles and sends the gospel to all of the world. That's you and me. And many respond, but then this guy comes in with no wedding garment. This is some guy that says, yes, I want to attend, but I'm going to do it. You see, it doesn't work right if it's not hooked up to the right power. That's free. I've been telling that for 20 years every time a battery goes dead. He says, I'm going to attend my way. I'm going to attend dress like I want to dress. But there's only one way to attend this party. And it's to wear the robe of righteousness that Jesus paid for with his own blood on the cross. Are you picking it up? God wants you. And he made the way through Jesus. You cannot come any other way. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. I'm almost done here. Therefore... It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. How will we escape if we neglect? Thank you, sir. Now it can sound like me instead of Rose. How will we escape if we neglect the only way that's been provided? How will we ever tap into grace without faith? How will we ever receive and walk in what's been paid for if we refuse to believe it and acknowledge it? This is where it happens. God wants you, but you must receive him by faith, the one that calls you. Last passage. John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, who does God give light to, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born anew. Born of the Spirit. Born again. God wants you. Would you stand with me? Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at the river.